This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. The TMS Podcast at the Ashes. Download and subscribe via the BBC Sounds app. Boycott is out, first ball, LBW, England one for none. What a sensation. Nasser Hussain has won the toss and inserted Australia in what you'd have to say are very good conditions here, but there's a tinge of green on the pitch. Both of them swings again, hits that. It's six runs, it's a six runs, that's his hundred. Parmesan from the far end, bowls the first ball of the series. Oh my word, it's gone straight to second slip. What a horrible start. Welcome to Old Trafford, where not for the first time this summer, Australia are within touching distance of retaining the Ashes. They need eight wickets on the final day to secure their first series win here since 2001, with England having to bat out the day to get to the Oval with something to play for. A little bit later in the podcast, we'll hear from the Aussie bowler James Pattinson on his love of English football and Grimsby Town. But first, let's recap the day's play here. England closing on 18 for two, leading another 365 to win. The TMS podcast at Old Trafford for the fourth test of the Ashes. So close of play, the fourth day of the fourth test between England and Australia at Old Trafford sees England at 18 for two. They were naught for two. After the first over ball by Pat Cummins, he dismissed Rory Burns. Passed behind luckily, looking to turn the ball into the leg side. He got a leading edge and was caught a bit off for naught. Next ball, Joe Root got a beauty. First ball, it just held its own. And I think that would have bowled a lot of people. Certainly first ball for naught. Naught for two as England captain walked off. Joe Denley and Jason Roy have seen it through to the close. But my word, England got some work tomorrow. 98 overs, in fact. Uh, earlier, uh, we saw England bowl out for 300 and one Stokes 26, Bairstow 17, Butler a good 41, Archer and Broad dismissed cheaply with Stark taking three for 80 and Hazelwood four for 57, in go Australia again and suddenly there were 44 for four, a rejuvenated Broad running in, dismissing both openers, Warner for naught, that's his first pair in Test cricket, Harris LBW to Broad for six and Archer nipped in with Labashane LBW for 11 and he'd spectacularly bowled Travis Head for 12, middle stuff of flying out of the ground, that was 44 for four but then, well... Inevitably, Steve Smith scored 82 in a stand of 105 uh, with Wade. A terrific 82. You wouldn't have known the situation really at the time. 92 balls and 12 fours he struck. Wade, 34. And a few uh, runs struck at the end by uh, the captain Payne, enabling him to declare 186 for six. So leaving England, uh, theoretically at least, 383 to win in those 98 overs plus the half hour they had tonight. But 18 for two, Michael Vaughan. I think we already the uh, England win scenario has gone for a Burton. Yeah, the, the win scenario, I'd say it's almost to the level that England found themselves at Headley in terms of... You know, it, it was a miracle at Headland that England won the Test match. I think it's going to be a miracle if England can survive the draw here. Yeah. To face that attack on this pitch now for 98 overs tomorrow, well, it's going to take a, an incredible innings. It's going to take a Michael Atherton style innings. Back old, all those years ago in mm. Johannesburg, um, you look at the day, I mean, England at Ford, I thought they fought with the bat. There's been some errors, there's been some poor strokes. Um, but against this Australian attack in the conditions that the had to face um, to get just over 300. I would say the pitch that we've seen this week, I reckon it was possibly a 350 Australia par score in the first innings. They got 497, you know, the drop chances, the no yeah. ball that got Steve Smith out. Um, and in England got 300. I would say the par for them was around that on the pitch that they had to bat. 
then they get the quick wickets. There was a little bit of joy around the ground. There was a bit of excitement. And this England side, I guess, if we're honest about them, over the course of a few years now, they consistently don't realise the situations of the game when they really have to step up. They didn't realise it on day one. No. England were a team of individuals on day one. Yes, the conditions were tough, the wind was blowing, but we looked out there and there was a team not together. The first time that we've really seen England together as a team in the field was this afternoon. Too late. Joffre Archer suddenly got his paces up to 90 miles an hour. I'm afraid it was all too late for England. Just going to interrupt you, Michael, because Eleanor Aldroyd's with England's coach, Trevor Bayliss. Well, Trevor, Michael Vaughan has just said that you need a miracle to get out of this tomorrow. What do you think? Uh, well, anything's possible. We saw that in the last Test match. Um, you know, we've certainly got you know a couple of guys out there now, and a few guys in the shed that are more than capable of scoring a hundred. We know it's going to be uh, difficult on this on this wicket against this attack. But uh, you know, as Ben Stokes uh, showed last, uh, you know, in the last Test match, anything's possible, and we've got to you know we've got to give ourselves a chance. So you believe in miracles. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about. I'm, I'm, I believe in guys being able to bat well, um, and you know we've, we've certainly got the batters in the team to uh, to do that. It's going to be very difficult. We we understand that, but let's uh, you know, let's put in a big effort tomorrow and see what we can do. You could say that for Jason Roy and Joe Denley, this is a great opportunity to write their names in the Ashes history books. Well, certainly. Um, you know, that's one of the things we spoke about last week. You know, who was going to put their hand up and and be remembered. Um, you know, it's, an, it's another opportunity tomorrow for someone. Mm. What's the, the feeling like up there at the moment? Oh, look, um, obviously when you lose a couple of night, um, we can say that uh, close to the uh, close of play, it's uh, a little bit disappointing, but pretty upbeat about, uh, about what we might be able to do tomorrow. It's, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, bat well and save the game and, uh, yeah, enjoy a beer after. Was there any conversation about sending a night watchman out? Uh, yeah, he was next in. Yeah. So that would have been Craig Overton again, would it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm. So, so why not at, at, uh, at the fall of the first wicket? Uh, well, I don't think there's a team in the world that sends a night watchman in you know, with 20 minutes plus. Uh, we've always had one uh, you know, we're a night watchman ready to go from 20 minutes onwards. Mm. So the conversations that you'll have as a group tonight, can you let us know what you'll say or will you just wait till you get here tomorrow morning? We've already had a chat and, I, and I've already said exactly what we spoke about up there. Um, and uh, yeah, everyone's you know, everyone's psyched to uh, to go out tomorrow and and hopefully be those you know, one or two guys that can make a you know a nice hundred, um, you know, and save the day. Thank you very much, Trevor. Great, thank you. Thank you, Eleanor. Thanks to uh, Trevor Bayliss. That's a nice Australian looking at it. We'll just uh, save the game and have a beer afterwards. <laughs> well, you know what's he meant to say? I mean, I know he's so different. He knows his team are, are, are in a position that. You know, it will take a miracle. It's, uh, it, there's no point in saying anything else. No point no. in saying, oh, it's going to be easy, you know, and if, if someone gets in, it's going to be very difficult against this Australian attack. And I was just saying, I my, my, my frustration with this England Test Match team, and it's been for a while, that they don't seem to realise the moment. And there's been moments this week where we've looked and we've gone, wait a minute. I think everybody was, was really flat after that first day in the performance. I mean, I'm talking about England supporters now. Um, and, 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 the, and, and the performance. I know you know, the wind, people don't like the wind, but you, 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 you can't turn the wind off. You've got to get on with it's it. One morning and, in an ashes, I guess. Yeah, and, and to see the way that they ran in today. I mean, Stuart Broad, I totally uh, exonerate from any, anything I'm saying about the first day. He's been magnificent. But the, but the rest of it was pretty lethargic, frankly, on the first day. And, and today it was like watching a different team. And that, 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 that's my, my point with this team is, and, and again, it's been the case for a long time, they're very good when they've been prodded. They're very good when 
they've been beaten and everyone's criticised them and they've got this point to prove. Why can't they play to the standard that we see them? You know, the second innings at Headingley, everyone wrote them off. We said, that's mm. it, the Ashes have been retained. By what did they have? They had the managed no, 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 we've got a point to prove here. We'll prove you all wrong. You know, they're all putting on Instagram stories, the headlines from, from people that kind of said that the Ashes have been retained. You know, all of them were kind of pointing the finger back oh, at really? the... Yeah, I saw it all on Instagram story. So they're a good team when people are prodding them. Why, yes. why can't they have this point-to-prove mentality without the point-to-prove? Day one was absolutely on the knife edge here. Yeah. One all, full house. Yes, it's windy. Get two early wickets. Steve Smith walks out there. Surely the plan is for Joffrey Archer to get it up to 90 miles an hour to Steve Smith. He brought seven balls at him. So... Yeah, we're into day four, we're going into day five, but it's been the whole week, all the murmurings that, oh, the pitch hasn't been right, it's too slow. Get on with it. Yeah. The are all right on. Correct. Why, why <laughs> are we always in this position that yeah. we, we seem to always have this with the test team, that they're a talented bunch. There's one or two that you question, but, you know, they're a talented bunch that continuously play to this standard and to this kind of mentality when they've not been prodded. Yeah. Why is that? I love the Australian pace attack, don't you? And with, with Patterson not playing... Uh, and Siddle not playing in this, but they all, they're, they're relentless. They, they, they are absolutely at the batsman all of the time in their own individual ways. But they're like terriers, aren't they? They just don't, they're just a good, they might bully, of course they bully the old bad ball here and there, but they're just at you and at you and at you, ball after ball after ball. Yeah, it's Ashes cricket. Mm. You know, we've had some Ashes series over the years where you've looked and gone, wait a minute, you know, England have got a chance because the bowling attacks have not been to the standard of maybe in the past, but this is high class. You know, the, the combination of Hazelwood and Cummins, you know, and then you throw in the firecracker Stark. It's a wonderful three. And then you've got Nathan Lyon. He hasn't bowled great. No, he hasn't bowled well. But he's well still time. a good yeah. spinner. And you know that as a captain, you can throw in the ball. He should at least hold you an end, and he does that. Uh, you've got a fielding unit that they've had one or two go down, but, you know, the slip cordon just looks solid. You know, it spreads out further than the England cordon. You look at England in the field, you look at the, how narrow the slip cordon is. You know, look at Australia. They spread the wings and they cover more space. And, you know, we're, we're in for a ride tomorrow because, you know, England have got to kind of dig deep into that. If, again, if you look across the four games, we've been arriving on the mornings a lot. If you analyse the whole series from Edgbaston to Lords to Headingley to now at Old Trafford, we're arriving on most mornings going, we need someone to step up here. Yes. You know, there's not many mornings that we've arrived with England completely dominating the game on top. It's always been, oh, someone's going to have to produce an innings once again. And it's going to have to be, you would think, Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes is going to have to play the innings tomorrow because he's the one player that looks calm, looks composed. He's playing straight. He's playing the ball late. Um, you know, there was one or two nice signs for England today with the bat. Joss Butler, I thought yes. he played with good control, but... You know, that's his highest score of the series. We're into the fourth test, the, the seventh inning. He's got 41, and you know he needs to contribute more than that. You know, it's difficult when he bats at seven, and all of a sudden the wicket's full. He's down to you know players coming in, Stuart Broad, and then Jack Leach. How does he play? He's got to play a few shots, and yeah. you know he had to give up his wicket, so it's not easy down there. But you know, ultimately, so far in the series, it's not been enough of the England team that's arrived. There's been individuals and in, individual brilliance. Stuart Broad's been magnificent. Ben Stokes, magnificent. Joe Root's stuck in there. Rory Burns, but you can't win an Ashes series with only three or four of you turning up. Well, it is, as Eleanor was saying there to Trevor Bayliss, a, a great opportunity for Messrs Denley and Roy tomorrow. I mean, you can't deny that. I mean, what, what more could they want, you know, in this situation? I mean, they, they, they do have the opportunity. I wonder well, if they can take it. Whatever Jason Roy took out there with him tonight in terms of mentality, he, he played nicely. Mm. He played some nice straight 
defensive strokes. Yep. And he played a nice clip through mid-wicket and then he played a nice drive. He's just got to go and do exactly the same again and he's got to nullify the scoreboard. He's got to just think and stay in the present moment of every ball. Every ball tomorrow for Jason Roy is an event and he's got to get over that event and then the next one and then the next one. He's got to take a leaf out of, you know, it's very difficult to take a leaf out of a, a, a genius like Steve Smith, but he just nullifies every simplifies we go right a ball at a time mm. and then they face the next ball and then he gets over and over and then he plays the next over and that's all Jason Roy has to do and if he hits a boundary it's back into his bubble back into his zone of defence because tomorrow you know a fancy 30 is going to do nothing for England no well it's not you know, it, it's all about can this pair can an individual go and face 150 balls can someone go and stick their hand up and get 35 of 150 balls of course you have to try and put a little bit of pressure back on the bowl and, and hit the odd scoring shot but tomorrow's all about can you occupy the crease for a period of time and can you nullify the opposing team and this quality attack for an hour get to lunch get into the afternoon session can they get Australia panicking in the afternoon with the chance that they think they might have wasted another opportunity here at Old Trafford I, I doubt it because I think and I, I would expect the Australians to bowl well. This pitch isn't going to get any easier. Mm. But you know what, England? Pr- prove us all wrong again, because I like it when we criticise them, because <laughs> they seem to play better. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, Steve Smith's innings today. I mean, I don't know. It was, it was, just, it was, it was just, a, a, just different again, wasn't it? I mean, we've seen him play his, his style of, of test match innings up to now, but this was impish. This was naughty. This was taking the mickey. This was wow. uh, stepping away to leg and just a little faint deflection down through third man because nobody was there. I mean, he was just like a, I, like I, a cat toying with a mouse today. It, it was almost if today it, it listened to one or two saying he must have had a, a few scouts in the in, in the media centre. So he's a bit boring to watch. Well, today he just proves that he can yeah. play any innings. He can, you know, he can up his tempo, he can up his strike rate. Uh, that, that little glide down to third man off Jofra Arch with the ball probably missing leg stump by six inches, and he just leant back and just let the bat come with him, and then he just glided it down to that vacant space. We're looking at a wonderful player. I'm with you with this theory that he somehow knows what's going to be bowled at him because there's that amazing setup too where he's been stepping away to Broad, stepping away, stepping away, stepping away. So Broad thinks, right, I'm going to follow you. And he'd actually gone the other way <laughs> and it was five wides. <laughs> a, I mean, he, he, he's he a wizard to know. He is he? a wizard. He's, he's wonderful uh, batsman to watch. He, he, he's just got that, that ability to be able to see what's happening before anybody else. And, and the way that he manoeuvres the ball into the spaces. Again, he gets a bad ball. You, you very rarely see him hit the field. You know, that's a sign of a, a real quality play. And, and, and the gap might be between extra cover and mid-off, and it could only be a metre. He'll find that metre gap. You know, he's a wizard. All right, thanks, Michael. Let's get some Australian reaction then. Jeff Lemon has been speaking with a team mentor and the former captain, Steve Waugh. Steve, Michael Vaughan said on air a minute ago that England would need a miracle tomorrow. Would, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, look, they've had a miracle last game, so you, you can't say it won't happen. But, look, we're in a good position. Uh, we've played some excellent cricket, and... Um, we're confident we can do well tomorrow. Does it make it a little bit extra significant for you, having had that win here in 2001, Australia haven't won since, and, and you're involved with trying to get them over the line here this time around? Oh, look, I'm playing a small part. I think uh, they've done you know, fantastic preparation for this series, being well coached, well captained, um, and they've prepared excellently. So if I can play my small part, I'm really happy to do that. But um, tomorrow is a big day for Australian cricket. Um, the guys have worked really hard. Disappointing uh, the last Test match, but they've bounced back fantastically well so far. Pat Cummins, the way he's able to stamp his influence on a game just at the end here as well. You know, you've watched a lot of good fast bowling. Yeah. What's your take on him? Oh, look, the attack is world class. I mean, all six bowlers in the squad have been uh, have really bought into the fact that uh, every time they play, they're going to give 100% and they may not play the next Test match. So that's been a really good team effort from those guys. Pat Cummins is uh, he's a world class bowler. He's number one ranked bowler in the world for a reason because he's, he's class.
Um, Steve Smith, everybody's probably sick of us talking about him over here, but nearly 700 runs in the series. Have you seen a player have a streak this good, this hot? No. Um, I mean, I obviously didn't see Don Bradman play, but it was, I guess it's in a similar sort of vein where he just, um, just keeps scoring runs and it almost looks too easy. It, um, he's playing on a different level to everyone else. And, uh, you know, I guess you've just got to cash him while it lasts because, you know, cricket uh, can turn around pretty quickly. But right now he's, he's making the most of some great form. What's your insight on that process of how he's gone about coming back, getting his head together, all the pressure, all the scrutiny, the long layoff, and then turning this out? I think only he can explain that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal performance. It's monumental when you look back on it. To be out of the game for so long, have so much pressure, and to do so well, it's almost incomprehensible what he's done. And um, you know, it'll go down in the history of the game as one of the great performances by an individual in the series. Would you be interested in having a bit more of a role with this team going forwards, or is this just a, a brief uh, holiday in the sun? Oh, look, if they're winning, yes. Um, it's that sort of role. Um, oh, look, you know, I'll, I'll just, um, I'm just enjoying the uh, being around the guys. First time for 15 years, really, I've been close to the team and very professional. Uh, they're willing to learn, they're willing to work together, so um, it's been enjoyable. But um, we'll just see how it pans out in the next couple of tests and see whether there's some sort of role there. But I think mentoring or mentorship is, is really important in sport. Well, they've got to make sure there is no miracle tomorrow. It'll be a big day either way. Yeah, no miracle tomorrow. We, uh, we're pretty confident. Thanks, Dave. The TMS podcast at Old Trafford for the fourth test of the Ashes. Well, our view from the boundary guest this afternoon was the BBC's Middle East editor, Jeremy Bowen. You can download that full chat as a podcast on this feed. Here he's talking to me about the danger he's encountered reporting for the BBC. There was one time in um, the war in Chechnya, Grozny in Chechnya in the winter of 94-95 and I was in this um, square where the buildings, half of them were on fire and we were waiting for somebody or we would have, a colleague, otherwise we would have, have left and a couple of Russian planes came over and bombed the place and I found myself curled up, wearing my flak jacket from my helmet, curled up in the snow next to this low wall thinking any second I'm either going to die or I'm going to suffer some appalling injury. So that full view from the boundary is available to download as a podcast on the TMS feed. James Pattinson's been getting a rest this week with Mitchell Stark recalled to the Australian attack. That meant we could grab a word with him to discuss his English heritage. He was eligible to play for England with his father born in Grimsby and his mother hailing from Barnsley. He lived in the UK as a young child and from those early days over here he developed a real passion for English football. Eleanor Aldroyd went to find out more. It's not very often that you have a conversation about Grimsby Town with an Australian fast bowler, but this is what we're going to do now because um, James Pattinson joins us on the outfield. And, James, this is something that's kind of emerged over the, the weeks that you've been here, that you have this affiliation, you know, with, with that particular part of the world. You grew up in Cleethorpes for a while, and Grimsby are your team. Yeah, that's right. I suppose it just goes back to, to Dad. Um, Dad actually got here yesterday, and he's spending the next sort of month here, so he's, um, he's heading back down to... Um, to Grimsby where he was from and Cleethorpe to see his family so um, I won't get the chance to go with him because I've got to head back home and play cricket but yeah basically um, yeah just obviously um, you know drawn to, to Grimsby and supporting them just following them through through dad obviously coming from there and um, you know him following them pretty much through his life so yeah it's a bit of a, a good connection there. Do you remember your first visit to Blundell Park? Um, uh, I've had a few but I remember the first one I think a car got broken into I think I said that the other week so um yeah, I think um, that was the last time we drove there. <laughs> Come back and the back window was smashed up and stuff. So, uh, yeah, that was a, a good memory of, of going there and watching Grimsby. 
<laughs> and you had quite a good routine beforehand as well, didn't you? Which, uh, you know, people who know about Grimsby, you know, they might know about Grimsby Town, but they, they associate it with the finest fish and chips. Yeah, it is pretty good. Uh, I remember my... Um my auntie working next door. She worked in the in the club there next door to the, the fish and chip shop. Was pretty good. So I used to duck in there and grab some some fish and chips. And I think it was back in the day when they still had them in the in the newspaper. So um, you know that adds more to it. So yeah, look, it was um, you know good memories of, of growing up. Although it was a small part of my childhood, it's um, you know still good. And obviously for, for dad to get back over here, he's at this test match and coming to the next one. So um, I think he's. I think he's booked two weeks, he reckons, in the Cleethorpes Caravan Park or something like that, so um, I'm sure he'll enjoy that. <laughs> you can find somewhere slightly more salubrious, or is it all about the Cleethorpes Caravan Park? I think so. I think it's just back, getting back to his roots, I think, so I think it'll bring back a few memories for him. But, uh, yeah, he's got one of his mates over from Australia who hasn't been over here, so I'm sure he'll show him the um, the uh, the sights of um, Grimsby and Cleethorpes, and I think they're going out for a, a night out in Blackpool. I think that, that was Dad's favourite place to, to go out, so he's, they're actually going to go to Blackpool for a night out, so that could be a bit of trouble. <laughs> and, and we and we actually learnt from you, not only, I mean, because you've got tattoos on, on your arm of various English scenes, you've got Big Ben, I think, haven't you? You've got, got a top hat there as well. But but also that you didn't just follow Grimsby Town, you've, you followed England football. Oh, yeah, I was sort of made to as a youngster because <laughs> Dad was watching them, so, yeah, I watched a lot of their games and obviously, um, you know, they were probably the... The, 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 they were quite they were a bit better than Australia at the time and Dad made me watch them I still obviously followed Australia but like, I was sort of made to, to follow, follow England and now I love David Beckham so I watched because of that so um, yeah look obviously it wasn't until sort of uh, I started playing for Australia that I got Dad to, to move over from, from barracking for England to, to barrack for me and barrack for Australia yeah yeah. Um, now Stefan Shemelt from BBC Sport is with us and Stefan you wrote the piece with, with James that um, was on the website this week and as a result of that Grimsby Town got in touch didn't they they have been in touch and they've sent um, a couple of gifts. Oh, wow. So I don't know if you want to open this box okay. first. Just describe what's in it. Um, we've got a mug, a coffee mug or a tea mug, and it's a Grimsby Town uh, tea mug. So um, that's beautiful. I was actually um, at Nottingham when we play there. We um, Everyone brings their own mug in and, and put, puts it um, in, the, in the change rooms. And I was actually looking for one of these to, to, to buy and put under there. So now I've got one. So that'll probably go straight to the Knott's change rooms and I'll be able to drink out of it. So Fantastic. that'd be great. <laughs> Have you seen the other side as well? Oh, lovely. It's got my uh, initial on there. <laughs> lovely. Yeah. Very good. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, very good. And, and not only that, Stefan, you've got something else to present to James? Um, we, we don't know what's in this. It says FAO James Pattinson. And we think it's a little letter from the club. So if you want to open right. that and tell us what's inside it... <laughs> We've got absolutely no idea what they've sent to you, but it's a little note to go along with the present. From the club, from Grimsby. <laughs> uh, saying we'd like to enclose a initial of your mugs. So we'd really appreciate it if you're able to send a picture of us with you holding this. <laughs> Links to the club and your father. I understand that you've attended fixtures in the recent past, including our last visits to Notts County in April. We would be more than happy to host you as a guest here at Bundle for any fiction in the near future. They said all the best and go Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Did they actually say that? <laughs> no, I just said that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think if I support them, the English roots, they should definitely, uh, uh, Groomsby Town should definitely start supporting Australia in the Ashes, I think. Um, and, and we should say, because it's AFL finals this weekend as well, isn't it? Just just getting going. So is that, are you more interested in what's happening with Grimsby at Blundell Park or are you following the AFL um, finals as well? No, my team's out of the AFLs. I go for the Sydney Swans and they had a, a pretty poor season. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really following that. Although my brother-in-law does play for Western Bulldogs who just got um, 
just got flogged by um, GWS, so they're also out as well. So I've got no allegiances now in the AFL, so I'll probably I'll probably keep an eye on the grand final, but not that closely. Yeah, it's all about the battle for League Two promotion. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Obviously, going up to League League One will be good. I think it's been a fair few years since we we're in League One, and uh, we've been sort of battling it out in League Two. So hopefully this year it's um, looking alright. So um, you know, usually it's mid- middle of the table finish, but um, yeah, hopefully this year we can go a bit, bit higher and, and obviously yeah, get promoted to League Two. The TMS Podcast at the Ashes. Well, Panathon's mug didn't bring them any luck. They lost 2-0 at home to Crew Alexandra. So can England hold on on the final day or is tomorrow the day that Australia finally retain the Ashes? Or could England stage another incredible run chase? Well, you won't miss a ball with us on Test Match Special on Sports Extra, Radio 4 Longwave and the BBC Sounds app. Join us from 10.30 and we'll speak to you then. Available every day during every test. This is the TMS podcast at the Ashes from BBC Radio 5 Live.